0: With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by EmPRISE Bank, your partner in possible.
1: What's up Chiefs Kingdom? It is Friday and this is KC's an update your daily dose of Chiefs news and updates from us here at KC Sports Network. We always have a special guest and on Fridays it's Trevor Sycema from Pro Football Focus who not only is going to help us break down the Bucks and Chiefs matchup from a Pro Football Focus perspective and his thoughts and key matchups in this game but he's also a Bucs fan who spent years covering the Bucs. So it's going to have a perspective that is going to help us really break down what this game is going to look like on Sunday night, as this is a huge game for both teams. Chiefs coming off a couple of games in which they didn't play well, Eeked one out against the Chargers. We we're able to pick up that victory thanks to the 99-yard interception return from Jalen Watson. And then they struggled against the Colts last week that we have been talking about all week long. While the Bucs have been banged up, they are 2-1 and one right now. But uh, they have got a lot of injuries. Defense playing very well, but offense hasn't really got it together. Excited to talk with Trevor about what he expects to see on Sunday night. But before we bring Trevor on, a quick word from DraftKings. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KCSN to get $200 in free bets. If your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game, that's code KCSN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, now we are joined by Pro Football Focuses' Trevor Sykema. Trevor, I want to start by asking you, obviously, the the national headlines with the weather uh, down there. I know that you've covered the Bucks for a long time. I'm sure you have friends and, and people that you're close with down in that area. What what was your reaction when you heard that the game is going to stay in Tampa and stay in the state of Florida?
2: Yeah, so it, it, it makes sense that it would stay in Tampa. There's a lot of logistics that go into moving a game. It, it is not just – hey, we're going to have these teams play in a different city. I mean, you're talking about parking, you're talking about security, you're talking about concessions, you're talking about all of these things which would have happened as scheduled in Tampa that would now happen in a different stadium. So there, there's so many things that people don't tend to think about. It's not like you're just kicking it off in a, in a different field, in a different stadium. There's, there's a lot that goes into it, and I know – both at the college level and the NFL level. I've seen this before with college games too. They really don't want to move these games. They want people to stay safe. They want it to be the best situation, but it is really difficult to move these games because there's a reason why the schedules come out as early as they do. And it's not for us to just tweet about it when it comes out and we get to read about it. It's because they have to plan all of these things with thousands and thousands of people. So I understand why that it would stay in Tampa because when you look at the path of hurricane Ian, it came a lot further South of Tampa, um it obviously an, an extremely devastating storm thoughts and prayers love funds everything to the people of Fort Myers I mean if, if, if you have seen any of the pictures and you have it in your heart to help them out they really need the help down there but when it comes to this game it was further it was it was way further south and so the area of Tampa I have a lot of friends and family up there they were telling me about it it wasn't too bad you know some sustained winds, some rain but no storm surge no flooding and when that's the case then everything can kind of go about as normal for that area, for that game. So uh, understand why it was kept in Tampa just because of the lack of direct hit from the hurricane. But um, yeah, yeah, that's kind of everything that really goes into it. So I'm not too surprised that it's staying in Tampa.
1: I did some radio earlier this week and I got asked a question that I wasn't prepared for. So I'm going to pass it along to you um, regarding that. And you know, what do you expect the atmosphere to be like? down there just because of everything that's going on in the state of Florida. And is this, is this a rallying thing that people could just kind of get in the scape of not wanting to sit and watch the news and watch what's happening, you know, you know, not too far um, from where they're at relative to the rest of the country. Who's watching that game. Just as somebody who's been there and been in that stadium and kind of knows the fan base, what, what do you expect it to be like um, besides the obvious, you know, uh, commercials and and i'm sure there's gonna be all kinds of things popping up saying hey here's where you donate here's where you can help with videos and pictures of to your point so it's absolutely devastating um that no one can control and yeah i mean
2: it, uh, well, oh awful. i'm sorry i was just gonna say that you, you know you we we often use sports as something that is kind of that that rallying cry that come together point and i i would think there is certainly a good amount of that that would happen in the game it's going to be a couple days removed obviously from the hurricane making landfall but there's no doubt about yeah. it. it it's it's going to be a little bit of an uneasy or maybe eerie feeling about it especially when the game yeah. starts because everybody locally who is traveling to that game probably knows someone who was closer to the eye of the storm and the path of the storm when it made landfall and so it is it it, it it might not be as uh, as energetic as maybe this matchup between the Chiefs and the Bucks was on paper a couple of weeks ago, and and so yeah. I, I, I think that obviously people are going to show up, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna cheer, and once the game kind of gets kicked off, it's going to be a moment where they might be able to put the thoughts of what's going on aside, be able to focus on a football game, have a little bit of joy in a week that's been very stressful, I know for a lot of people. So it'll be definitely yeah. a mix, but it won't be that. Uh, frenzy of an atmosphere i think that it could have been if, if the circumstances were better
1: yeah that makes a lot of sense and i kind of figured the same i didn't think it was going to be this crazy party electric atmosphere uh, but it was definitely going to be that escape that um, to you bringing up a great point that sports seems to be all the time uh now before we get to the the three key matchups that we talk about every friday and i know this will have a different take on it because you're so familiar uh with the bucks i do want to ask you because we've had you on for about four weeks and um Chiefs fans and pro football focused having an interesting relationship um, right now I've said for (laughs) I've said for years uh, that uh, the grades I wouldn't always use I I do use them at times relative to the rest because it's still another perspective it's another avenue that you can use and another thing out there to help you create uh, conversation but obviously the conversation around PFF and the Chiefs centers around Patrick Mahomes uh, and his grades over the last few weeks. So I know you and I had joked about it last week um, after we were done and give you a chance to, I'm not going to speak on behalf of a PFF, but speak on behalf of yourself and and what the narrative is that out there and just what your overall feelings are on this whole situation, because um, you know, Chiefs fans can take it. It didn't take pro football. Foe. It, it doesn't matter if it's a stat or some arbitrary ranking by some national media member. If Patrick Mahomes isn't the best, uh, people are Chiefs fans are as a whole uh, are going to let you know about it. And so when the grades come out, um, it, it caught Chiefs fans uh, by surprise. So give you a chance to, to talk a little bit and share your feelings about the grades coming out and the reaction to it.
2: Yeah, what, what was the grade? 71.7 7 after 350 yards and five touchdowns, no interceptions. Great? Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> there's a little bit of I think it was, there. it was like
1: average. I think it was like <laughs> average NFL
2: quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> listing like all the quarterbacks that were better than homes after an insane <laughs> day on the stat sheet. No, uh, well, you know, obviously at Pro Football Focus, we do a ton of things. And a lot of people focus on the grades because that's a lot of, uh, of what people have the ability to get their hands on. Behind the scenes, yeah. we have a tool called PFF Ultimate, which a lot of teams use as well. And really, it's just a giant database for us to get at all sorts of stats i mean we've got epa per play stats we've got yards short of the sticks air yards time to throw uh turnover worthy plays you know just the, the list Force forced missed tackles all this stuff so many things that we kind of quantify in all that data but people i'm gonna jump the, at, yeah, go yeah ahead, i'm go gonna ahead. jump in
1: here real quick on it because i know the chiefs use that and i don't think it's a, a you know Coach Reed came out and publicly said it. It was something that I used behind the scenes. When I worked at the Chiefs, they had Ultimate, and Mike Frazier, the statistical analysis coordinator, would provide the info, and I would talk with Mike about it because they would have, like, the distance, and this is what fans, I don't think, understand. Like, it's not just an arbitrary grade. Like, you guys would have, like, the distance between splits of wide receivers and the percentage of routes run when the distance between the splits was a certain situation and down a distance and where on the field. Like, the information goes so much further beyond Oh, this guy graded Mahomes at this. And that's what PFF is. It's like, it's so much more than that, that that's really kind of the the consumer public Twitter kind of information where behind the scenes teams are using it in a very, very real way. Sorry to interrupt, but I wanted to throw that in there that I used ultimate all the time when I was teaching, I used to talk to Mike about stuff that I would see.
2: No. And you know, stuff like that is the stuff that we use every single day and the grades are, I, I think it's a really cool concept. But it's not a universal truth, right? At the end of the day, you know, our process is uh, a couple of people individually watch every single play of every single player. And they kind of have their own individual grades. And then a third or a fourth person, depending on how many people are watching it, he kind of comes up with the average or maybe an overruling one way or another. And so like, that's kind of how the process works. But the Mahomes grades is is funny because everybody's obviously going after it. How is this possible? Everything, you know, Mahomes is one of those players that is truly changing the game. Right. Like how Mm -hmm. he impacts the game. And, you know, we have a scale at PFF. I think that a a lot of people know this if you're familiar with the brand at all. But, you know, it's a scale from zero, half a point, one point, one, one and a half, and then two points. And it goes in the other direction as well. So any play can be graded positively or negatively on that plane. And we pride ourselves in every single play being measured individually. But the thing about Mahomes is Hmm. he has these plays that it's almost like. You, you've got to have the scale go up to like three or four, like, like just with the impossible, incredible things that this guy is doing. So, you know, a lot of people, like I said, harp on the grades, but it is something that we're always working on. It's a process that we're always trying to master. And guys like Mahomes are sometimes exposing, hey – we've actually got to look at this a little bit differently because of what he does, how he impacts the game, the value that he brings that shoot, we haven't seen in quarterback play in so long. And a lot of other guys are doing this as well. So obviously that was a moment where it's like, all right, you know what? Great probably should have been higher here, but it's one of those things where we use the stats, the data, the analytics a lot more than we use the grades and for the grades, we're trying to make sure that it's as best as possible. Cause it is a cool way to quantify player performances Yep. When they are right within the details, so that's just kind of how it is. I understand and that Chiefs fans <clears> are caving for their guy, so it's never there was never any love lost for me when Chiefs fans were kind of talking about it because uh yeah, it's great. Probably should have been a little higher for that one. And I know
1: you you didn't take it personally, and I <clears throat> I've known you for long enough that I was curious just to get your thoughts on it and then what you said right there and what you said before didn't really surprise me. But the other interesting part of this, and I don't know exactly how you grade everything, but I know that in the ways in which Patrick Mahomes trains um, because people in Kansas city have become very familiar with Bobby Stroop, who trains and puts videos out of all the different things that they work on and the way that training has changed and that they are quite literally train Mahomes to be powerful in very awkward situations on the field where he's throwing off platform or he's running to his right, throwing back to his left or the crazy shit that we see from him, where he's running to his left and throwing back to his right, which is completely different than we've used to be seeing where in a traditional grading sense or a traditional coach says, don't ever do that. Right. He's not only doing it, but he practices this right. Like he is training to be able to do these things because of the confines of the game. If all of a sudden you can throw from any platform quickly in any place, the windows are so small in the NFL that I don't know how many times we've seen him running to his left and throw back to his right. The reason he do it is because those guys are open because the defenders all flow with him because they don't expect him to throw it back the other way. So you literally train to do those things, uh, which is another way in which he's training the game. And it's not, he's not the only one. Uh, The no look passes. He didn't invent that. Matthew Stafford was doing that (laughs) uh, before. To be fair, he was doing that before. And to be fair to pro football focus, couple of guys, I know one specifically because I use the grades all the time, when Chris Jones came out, you guys said he is going to be an absolute monster before everyone else in the NFL kind of figured that out. And same thing with George Karloftis. You and I have talked about how high the Chiefs draft class was graded. We haven't seen him bring down a quarterback yet, so my prediction of him breaking the rookie sack record... We need him to get on some, actually get some of those sacks. But uh, he's got some pressures. He's disrupting some plays. Uh, and so there's give and take, and can't just always remember the negative when it doesn't go the way that it has worked the other way as well. It just yeah. didn't happen to be with Patrick Mahomes.
2: Yeah, just real quick. I mean, what I love it the most for a lot of this data is is our draft stuff. I'm obviously a huge yeah. draft guy. I love following the NFL draft. Uh, Mike Renner, my co-host, he's a lead draft analyst for us, and just the, the data that he has available to look at. You know, pass rush win rate and measuring things with the combine and how that all translates and going beyond some of those statistics but taking it to the college level to predict how well these guys are going to play at the next level that's something that's it's incredibly advantageous when you uh, get to have your hands on some stats at pff so that's one of my favorite areas where quantifying that and turning it into a draft guide and a draft board and all that that's a lot of fun for me
1: I love your guys' draft guide. I know we do one at KCSM. Those guys do a great job. They break it down and everything's specific to the Chiefs. Uh, but you read a lot of different draft content. It's the same kind of lines and cl- not cliches, but the li- same kind of analysis splattered everywhere about the same players where with you guys it gets really into the numbers and more specific and there's a lot more information that you can't find in other places. So anyway, we can talk about that uh, as we get closer to the offseason because right now we are going to talk about the Chiefs and Buck game on Sunday night. Already went through the weather. Um, you're being so familiar with the bucks. I look at that defense and this for me, Trevor, before I set you up for your first key matchup, I don't care how ugly this game is for the chiefs. There are some chiefs fans out there that I think are hoping after what we saw offensively, uh, against the Colts and special teams, a different conversation. Uh, but offensively running game did not get anything going like zero 18 carries for 31 yards from the chiefs running backs against the vaunted Colts defense that didn't have Shaquille Leonard, uh, in the middle of them. Um, they're not going to have a get right game against this Tampa Bay defense. If you're expecting the chiefs to come out and be the chiefs of 2018 or throw the ball over the yard and have that kind of success to win a football game, you're not going to feel good. If that's what you're expecting at the end of this, I just want them to win the game. I don't care what it looks like. (laughs) Stay healthy, somehow pull out a victory because it is going to be brutal going up against this defense. So that's my overall takeaway. I don't expect them to light it up. But that being said, what is your first key matchup for this game on Sunday night?
2: Yeah, it's one of the best defenses in the NFL in Tampa Bay. No question about it. Todd Bowles has always been one of the best defensive minds, even when you go back to when he was a head coach of the Jets. And I know the Jets Jets fans were frustrated when he was at the helm for a couple of different reasons, but uh, defense wasn't one of them. I I mean, he was always able to put together a really good defense with the players that he was given. Certainly in Tampa Bay as a defense coordinator, that has been the case. And even more so as the head coach, they've really taken on his identity, I think the first key matchup, I'll just start on that side of the ball, it's the Bucks defensive backs versus the Chiefs pass catchers. And I didn't specifically say the Chiefs wide receivers versus the Bucks corners because it's more than that. More specifically, I think the big matchup is Chiefs offense passing-wise is going to run through Travis Kelsey. We thought that that was going to mm-hmm. be the case going into the season. How do you pre- replace Tyreek Hale? Well, you don't replace him with one guy. You allocate the targets. A lot more targets going to Travis Kelsey because it's always a great return on investment. The thing with the Buccaneers is – a lot of people always look at linebackers. They go, okay, where could the mismatch be for Kansas City and Travis Kelsey with the linebackers? Levante Davids, one of the best coverage linebackers in the NFL, has been for one of the, for the last decade. Devin White, for as much as he's gotten a lot of criticism for his coverage over the last couple of years, he is better this year. This is one of his better starts to the season when it comes to his feel and coverage and what he is able to do. So he's not this major like, all right, point him out. He's getting exposed every play as much as it was in years past. And I think another thing to bring in is there's not a better safety trio in the NFL than what the Buccaneers have and Mike Edwards, Antoine Winfield Jr. and Logan Ryan. All three of those guys can play any position when it comes to slot corner, free safety, or box safety. They rotate constantly. They communicate so well, and we are seeing them reap those rewards with really good coverage grades, really good stats, and some takeaways already for that entire group. So for a player in Travis Kelsey that is normally a guaranteed mismatch week in and week out. Mm -hmm. The Buccaneers probably Mm -hmm. better than any team in the NFL can go, no, we're actually pretty comfortable putting a couple of different guys on Travis Kelsey. So that then frees up the corners, Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, to play really well on the outside against receivers that they probably have the advantage against. And so that's a huge matchup for me. Who is going to win that? Andy Reid has been so brilliant at putting guys in mismatch situations with his pass catchers over the years. But against Tampa, they really have a lot of players where there's not a ton of areas you can point to and say, "Okay, when we get this guy against this guy, it's going to be a mismatch There's not a ton of that. So that matchup of the Chiefs pass catchers and the Bucks defensive backs, it's going to be huge and it'll probably tell the story of who wins this game.
1: Yeah, I like talking to people who know more about the game than I do, because I know enough to ask the questions and to kind of understand, like, you know where you line up travis kelsey and one of the things to your point finding that mismatch is you're going to bracket kelsey okay, move him around in the formation, line him up in a different spot so you can't go outside shade and bring a safety down in front of him, which is effectively bracketing him. And to your point, if you have multiple defenses, it's not just you put Antoine Winfield and he follows around Travis Kelsey the entire game, like we've seen with corners in the past. Whereas Kelsey, it's like, okay, we're going to move him over here. On this side, we're going to go three by one and isolate him on the backside. It's like, okay, well, we don't have to flip everyone because we've got, to your point, three safeties who we feel comfortable with being in any situation at any given time. So they can't feel comfortable necessarily moving around just to get them on a different matchup because there's so many guys back there that have success. But yeah, I think for Chiefs fans in the passing game, you know, you go back and you really watch the Bucks or the, the Colts game. There were three or four plays in that game and the, Matt Castle and Matt Hamilton did a great job on the breakdown this week uh, talking about a couple of them where they were within a quarter of a second of delivering a big play down the field, the offense only just didn't hold up long enough for Mahomes to get the ball. And you could see Mahomes is about to unload to the guy running open down the field because, you know, we've talked about it. Every defense, no matter what you do, Brett Coleman talked about it on Wednesday, no matter what defense you run there, it's susceptible to something. And it's just about finding that. And do you have the ability to execute and find what's susceptible? So next question for you, before we get to your second matchup is, where is the defense for the Bucks susceptible to anything? And that's probably a loaded question considering they're given up nine points a game, and they've gone. It's not like they're playing teams that can't score. They played the Packers and they played the Cowboys with Dak Prescott, so it's a little bit different. But if if there is a place that the Chiefs' offense could have success against the Bucks defense, where do you think that is? I wish I had
2: a better answer for you. (laughs) I I mean, like, I don't, I'm not even saying this as, as somebody who grew up watching bucks football. And uh, it's just, the defense is so stout right now. They're they're the best defense in the NFL. When it comes to points, given up, they clamp down when it matters. You look at shoot, you look at that green Bay game. Green Bay comes out of the gate scores two, has two scores early. They don't even, they barely even move the ball after that for 75% Mm. of that game, they could barely even move the ball. So I think that the most advantageous part about Tampa's defense is the comfortability that you mentioned it there. Like, where is the mismatch? Like where, where can we exploit this? But if one thing is not working, they have the ability and the players to be able to switch it up. Like if you go, okay, Lanton Winfield Jr. He played a lot in the slot in week one. Are we going to do that same thing in week two when they, you know, kind of leave Kelsey out to be more of a slot wide receiver. Are we okay with that matchup? All right. Well, if we're not send somebody else down, maybe Mike Edwards can go against him shoot, you could put Carlton Davis on Travis Kelsey and maybe shade him yeah. and get a, give him a little bit of confusion there. When you look at the defensive line, Vita Vea is not even playing that well this season when it comes to run defense. He's not as dominant as he was last year, but it's still freaking Vita Vea. You know, it's still right. an unbelievable force, and he can be an incredible force any play game in and game out. So you look at the edges, Shaq, uh, Shaq Barrett, you got Joe Tryon, Yinka playing well as well. So, look, Logan Hall doesn't look like a rookie. He looks like he's ahead of his years already. Yeah. So, it's tough, man. It's tough to think about. And, look, if I knew the answer of where this Bucks defense was weak, I might be, like, assistant coach for the Chiefs and, and trying to figure it out. Because so many assistant coaches and offensive coordinators and head coaches are trying to figure that out. They're trying to answer that question, where are the Bucs yeah. weakest? And, and right now, it's just there's not a lot of areas.
1: And we've talked about this with Andy Reed is as much as you want to say, okay, they're going to lean in on the running game. Like this is also Andy Reed. (laughs) So like, they're not the running game being a part of the game. You want it to be more complimentary than what we've seen, especially against the Colts where they didn't run the ball at all. We know that will be some sort of a focus going into this game. Not necessarily just because they attack them just because they were so not, they got their ass kicked up front. I think Eric B just came out and said it like they kicked our ass in the trenches. And so this is not the game to try to get right doing that either. But to your point, passing game could be taken away. Maybe the challenge is to get the running game going, at least to some extent in this game, to try to at least give the threat of running the football because it was not the case against the Colts at all. But right. let's move on to your second key matchup to watch in this game. Um, Chiefs Bucks Sunday night.
2: Chris Jones versus backups. Uh, I think that that's the the matchup to watch. Um, Donovan Smith could still play in this game, I believe from the last injury report that I looked at. He kind of tried to practice last week, but ended up not being able to go. Brandon Walton took his place. You're already down a couple of guys. You know, like Luke Gadecki is playing uh, as, as the left guard. He was not scheduled to be the starting left guard going into the season. Robert Hansey is the center. So all of a sudden, like if Donovan Smith can't go, that left side of the offensive line looks really weak, especially in the trenches when you go up against a pass rush artist in Chris Jones. And so he's a player mm. who can be a game wrecker, right? We see it with Aaron Donald where, hey, the fastest point of the quarterback is a straight line. And if you can whoop the guy in front of you, then you can get to the quarterback. And that time to throw has to drastically go down. Brady is one of the best in the NFL, getting the ball out of his hands very quickly, but still, interior pressure has the ability to derail yeah. anything and you know i'm, I'm going to talk about the bucks wide receivers and then potentially getting them back and what that means for their play calling is my third point but i you know you could have the best wide receivers in the world and if chris jones is in your face within two seconds you're barely you can't get that ball off it doesn't matter yeah. so jones going up against backups and i think just really that defensive line of kansas city as a whole getting to go against backups on the interior i think is really an area where if they can't hold up with either four man rushes or extra blitzes, whatever it is, that's when it starts to get really tough. That's when you can derail that Bucks passing attack. And that's when you can get it look at, oh shoot, you know, they might get Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Julio Jones all back this week. They might all play, but it don't matter if you only got two seconds to snap the ball. So Bucks offensive line has to hold up. But if Tr- Chris Jones can have his day, which he's had a lot of pressures already so far this season, you really start to affect them. And with a quarterback that's not really mobile as Brady is, I know that he would tell you differently, and he'd point to that uh, whatever it was, 20-yard <laughs> run where he where he slid and it ended up getting called back. He'd probably tell you he's got a little bit more scoot than I'm giving him credit for, but he's just not one of those mobile guys who's going to escape the pocket. And if you can collapse it from within, you got a chance to slow down the Bucks' offense before it even starts. So thank you, I think Chris Jones is definitely, every week is a main player for the Chiefs, yeah. this one especially because of the backups he's going up against in Tampa.
1: And I'll add, especially coming off the game against the Colts, where he had the penalty that all Chiefs fans are nodding, probably wondering if that was going to be brought up, that uh, he was getting questioned and called out in a very, very big way. Um, And, you know, his teammates had his back, uh, but there's no, there's a lot of different ways to look at a a flag being thrown for vulgar language towards an opponent when Mm -hmm. the camera's on him and nobody's yelling, no one looks surprised at what comes out of his mouth, and yet a flag gets thrown. It was a little suspect. Uh, It was a little suspect. it You can't pick and choose when you do that because yeah. if you can't use vulgar language towards an opponent, all we would see are flags all the time. So I'm really curious what game Sean Smith is refereeing this week uh, and to make sure that everybody's just saying very kind things to each other in the trenches and between and after plays. And I'm sure it's all just very rosy conversations down there on the field. Yeah, of course. Um, of course. But I am curious. So I'm glad that uh, your third one is the, the Bucks wide receivers because um, not only obviously uh, the, offensive line being banged up like you talked about which again with steve spagnolo being as aggressive as he is with all of the blitzing and all the things that he does right you know those guys physically holding up but also being able to communicate with each other with twists stunts guys coming from all over the place spagnolo is going to do that i don't know how many guys he'll send after brady because he gets the ball out so quick but chris jones wreaking havoc up front uh, getting the ball out quick would be huge but um third matchup uh, bucks wide receivers um, what are you expecting? What do you, why is it your, one of your key matchups?
2: Yeah, it's, and it's, it's more so the Bucks' game plan versus themselves more than it is even just like the chiefs defensive backs versus the Bucks' wide receivers, because, you know, there's been a lot of question marks of some play calling choices that Byron Leftwich, the office coordinator in Tampa has had early on in the season. A lot of it stems from, you know, early down runs, neutral down runs, and the Bucks have been pretty high in that rate so far this season when normally you look at it and you're like, Tom Brady's your quarterback. You should probably put the ball in his hand more than anybody else's. And Leftwich came out last week, and he's like, look, when you're down Chris Godwin, when you're down Julio Jones, when you don't have Mike Evans, it changes how you have to call the game. And I can totally subscribe to that. That, that definitely makes sense. But even when they had Mike Evans, even when they had Chris Godwin, even when they had Julio Jones – They were running it on early downs more than they were passing it, especially on that first down. They were running the ball more than they were passing it on first down. They had one of the highest first down pass rush or or run rates in the NFL. So my matchup is basically Byron Leftwich versus his, his play sheet. Like what are we going to see from the Buccaneers now that those wide receivers are fully healthy? You talked about how aggressive the Chiefs defense is, and if that offensive line can't hold up, maybe there's not enough time to throw the ball. Because I'll tell you this too. This was an area of concern with Rob Gronkowski not coming back for the Buccaneers this year. It's not just those catches. It's not just what he does in the red zone. It's blocking. Gronkowski was still one of the best blocking tight ends in the NFL. And when you have an inexperienced and beat up offensive line, they're trying to keep Cam Brady in there to help Chip. And, like, Cam Bray's not a blocker. He's never been a blocker. Yeah, Kate Odden is a rookie, and they were missing him last week because of an injury. And they, you know, Kyle Rudolph's in the twilight of his career. So they just don't have anybody right now who can really help. Leonard Fournette's a pretty decent pass blocker as a running back. But, man, if, if you've got no options other than Leonard Fournette to help out a five-man protection— All of a sudden, that time to throw gets very tricky. How does that then go into the play calls that you have on early downs to set the tone of drives, to not get yourself in third and long? So what the Chiefs do to try to combat that, that flow of whatever the play calling is going to be for Tampa Bay, is going to be, I think, what matters most are they going to be more of a pass heavy team now that they are getting their wide receivers back is Byron Leftwich, when he says you've got to call it differently, is he going to call it differently with those wide mm-hmm. receivers? That's what I'm very curious about. That's my big matchup is what does Tampa's play call look like against an aggressive chiefs defense and with an offense that really has not been aggressive in response. I'm just very curious how that's going to clash and what the results are going to be on that side of the ball.
1: All right, those are your three key matchups from Trevor Thekuma of Pro Football Focus, Trevor. Now, before we let you go, do you have uh, an expectation, a prediction uh, for this game?
2: Are we talking like final score? I'll say sure. I will. Say... I know the
1: over under is forty five, which is probably the lowest that will be for the for in a Chiefs game all season long. I know, but expect I know. this one to. Expect this to be a brutal, ugly, frustrating game to watch. <laughs> I'm just preparing myself mentally for that as a Chiefs fan. I was uh, I was going to so say
2: 24-21 Tampa just because it's at home.
1: I said the exact same thing, but on the Chiefs side uh, yesterday. Wow, well, okay. Game so, game all
2: game. right. So, we got to close. Who's, hit, exactly. who's hitting the field goal? Who's hitting the field goal? That's what's going to come down to. <laughs> yeah. Kicking wins football games as much as some people hate it. Don't on.
1: tell us that. We missed an extra point and a field goal <laughs> and tried a fake field goal last week, Trevor.
2: That's why Tampa's <laughs> making the field goal, and they're going to win by three.
1: Ryan Suckup? Is it Ryan, Ryan Suckup? Yeah, kid?
2: the vet. Did we know they, Ryan Suckup. They finally got it right. After drafting a kicker in the second round, shout out Roberto Aguayo, who they moved on from in like two years because he could, couldn't hit a dang kick. They finally found somebody that they could stick to. So I, I do it, though. Yeah. I think it's going to be a close one. Um, it's really going to be a coin flip. Both these teams are so yeah. good. It's going to come down to, I think, honestly, who might have the ball in their hands at the end. That's what I think is probably going to be the case. So it's going to be a fun game, no matter what the final score is.
1: It'll be a fun game. National TV, all eyes are going to be watching. It'll be interesting to see how – the chiefs respond after that game against the Colts in which they didn't play very well. And they kind of got called out. Uh, they kind of took some ownership of it this week. And you know, in the NFL, you got to, you got to move, turn the page quickly. Uh, but there's a lot easier said than done. When you drop one, you feel like you shouldn't have, when you know, you're going to face teams like the bucks. Um, that's more of a toss up than the game against the Colts should have been. So uh, i excited to watch that one. Excited to talk with you about it next Friday. Again, that's pro football focuses, Trevor sick. Trevor Before we let everybody go. Can you let people know where they can find your work and what else you got going on?
2: Yeah. At Tampa Bay Trey on Twitter. Sorry, Kansas city fans. It is in the, it is in the, it is in the Twitter handle as well, but uh, yeah, just everything at profootballfocus.com and then uh, check us out every weekday, Monday through Friday, 11am on PFF's YouTube, as we are recapping everything that we see in the NFL on a show called it's just football. Appreciate it, BJ.
1: Yep. All right, everybody. We appreciate you for tuning in. We'll have more great content at Casey sports network, getting ready for the game on Sunday until next time. We'll see you later.